just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back. In this video, I'd like to answer the question, where do we go after death? To answer that question, we're going to be thinking about what the Old Testament has to say on this topic, and then we'll turn our attention to the ministry of Jesus and see what Jesus had to say about what follows death. And then I'll conclude the video by just talking a little bit about where Jesus went between his death and his resurrection. So let's answer the question, what happens to us after death by thinking about what the Old Testament has to say? Prior to the ministry of Jesus, the answer to this question is a little unclear. The Old Testament talks of a place called Sheol. Now this is translated into English in a variety of ways. Sometimes you'll find in your English translation, Sheol is rendered Sheol, but sometimes it's translated the pit Sometimes it's translated the grave. In the book of Job, Job asked the question in chapter 17, verse 16, Will they go down to the gates of Sheol? Shall we have rest together in the dust? In Isaiah chapter 38, verse number 10, the prophet says, In the prime of my life I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. In Psalm 16 and 10, David, speaking in the Spirit, says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Sheol in the Old Testament appears to be the place where the dead go between death and the resurrection, the holding place for the dead, if you will. And no distinction seems to be drawn between righteous and unrighteous. Everyone goes to the same place. All people following death end up in Sheol. In the Septuagint, the Hebrew word for Sheol is translated Hades. So, for example, in Job chapter 17, verse 16, Job asked the question, Will they go down with me to Hades, or shall we go down together to the tomb? Psalm 16:10, David says, For you will not leave my soul in Hades. The Greeks had an equivalent for Sheol. They called it Hades. And when translating the Old Testament into Greek, the translators used the Greek word Hades. Most Mediterranean peoples had this idea among them that there was a, a great cavity under the earth where the dead would gather. And you'll notice that everyone goes down to Sheol or down to Hades. So there was this, this idea of Sheol or Hades, the holding place for the dead, being underneath us. So the Old Testament is just a little bit unclear. We, we don't have a whole lot of details about this place. We don't know much about it. But the Greeks developed the idea of, of Hades even further than the Scripture. In fact, the Greeks and Romans both developed Hades beyond what the Bible reveals. Everett Ferguson, in his book, Backgrounds of Early Christianity, writes, The Greek view passed to the Romans. The souls or shades of the deceased are led by Hermes to the depths of the earth, and in a provisional abode await a decision concerning their eternal lot. 
They cross the river Styx, conducted by the boatmen Charon, and come to the court that judges them. The guilty are sent down the road to the left, which leads to dark Tartarus, the place of punishment. We can cross-reference that with 2 Peter 2.4. The pious are led down the road on the right to the Elysian fields, where all is bright and beautiful. This was the idea of the afterlife among Greeks and Romans, and you can see some comparisons between what they had to say and what the Bible reveals, but there are some very big differences, and we'll talk about those differences momentarily. So what can we say about the Old Testament's answer to where do we go after death? Well, the Old Testament talks of a destination called Sheol. We have very little information about Sheol in the Old Testament, except that it is the place of the dead, and it's where all the righteous and unrighteous go. The Hebrew word Sheol was translated into Hades, and the Greeks and Romans took this concept even further than what we see in the Old Testament. So having talked about what the Old Testament says, let's now think about what Jesus taught concerning the the afterlife in his ministry. And Jesus offers the clearest explanation of what happens after death. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, the gospel writer Luke records the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's important to point out that Luke does not call this a parable. He does so in other instances, but he does not in this case. I choose to interpret it this way. I I think Jesus is using fictitious characters to reveal truths about what awaits us following death. So the characters, I think, are probably fictitious, but what they experience and what Jesus describes is very real. The fictitious characters that Jesus talks about are are two men, a rich man who has enjoyed a very comfortable life, he has lived in luxury, he's had all of his needs met, and much more. The second man is a poor, sick man named Lazarus, and Lazarus spends his days sitting at the gate of the rich man. The rich man is feasting regularly, has plenty of food, but he never takes the time to share with Lazarus. If you look at the context of this story, you can see that Jesus was warning the Pharisees about greed and the dangers of greed. So Jesus juxtaposes these two fictitious characters and what they experience in the afterlife in in order to warn the Pharisees about their sin of covetousness. Though I believe the characters are, in all likelihood, fictitious, the place where they end up is very real. Lazarus is taken by the angels to be with the righteous. Jesus describes him as leaning against Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort and peace. The rich man ends up in a very different place. He ends up in torments in Hades. You'll remember that word Hades from earlier. The rich man was tormented in Hades by an unquenchable thirst caused by intense heat. One truth that we can learn from this is that the unrighteous and righteous will end up in two different places. We don't see that in the Old Testament. We don't see that in the description of Sheol or Hades. That's not found in the Old Testament, but we see that for sure in the New Testament. Jesus also describes the rich man being able to glimpse Lazarus leaning against Abraham's bosom. And so the rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus over with a few drops of water to quench his thirst and to ease his torment. 
Abraham says that what the rich man asks is impossible. No one can cross this gulf that lies in between the two locations. Here's another truth we can learn from this story. Once we die, our eternal destiny is fixed. There is no hope of of the unrighteous crossing from one side to the other. They cannot go to be among the righteous. So once we die, our destiny is fixed. The rich man also begs Abraham to send Lazarus back to tell his family about what will happen if they do not repent. Abraham says if the rich man's family does not believe Moses and the prophets, it's unlikely he will believe someone who is sent back from the dead. This reveals another truth about what happens after death. Our memories will remain intact. The rich man could remember his family, and he wanted his family to hear the truth about the place where he was existing at this time. And that's true for both the righteous and the unrighteous. Abraham knew something about the life Lazarus had led. He knew something about the the pain and the suffering that Lazarus endured. How did he know that? Abraham's not God. He's not omniscient. Well, it must be because Lazarus shared his experiences with Abraham as he was leaning against the patriarch's bosom. There's one final thing we can extract from this story, and that is the rich man knows he belongs in this place of punishment. Never once does he object to being here. He knows that he is receiving what he deserves. And I think that that's a significant point. Once we die and we end up in one of those two places, we're going to know that we deserve to be there. Although I would argue that the righteous may never feel like they deserve what God has done for them, at least they can say, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's a few things we can draw from Jesus' account about the rich man and Lazarus. There are two destinies that await us after death. Once someone dies, their eternal destiny is fixed. It's decided. Those who end up with the rich man and those like him will have no opportunity to be relieved. They will have no opportunity to escape. Our memories remain intact after death, and once we reach our final destination, we will know why we are there. The last thing I want to talk about is what happened to Jesus between his death and resurrection. Scripture is pretty clear on this point. Jesus went to the dwelling place of the dead. He went to Sheol. He went to Hades. In Psalm 1610, the psalm I quoted from David earlier, David says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, or Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Peter quotes this psalm in Acts chapter 2, verse 27. He goes on to tell us that David, the author of the psalm, was not referring to himself in the psalm. David's grave could still be seen in Jerusalem in Peter's day. David saw corruption. He died. His body decayed. His bones were entombed in the city. So David could not be talking about himself in this psalm. David understood this psalm had to do with his descendant, the Christ, and he understood in the spirit that God would raise Christ from the dead. According to Peter, David foresaw this and spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Based on Peter's interpretation of the psalm, I conclude the soul of Jesus went to Hades between his death and resurrection. 
Remember, in the Old Testament, Sheol or Hades, as it's translated in the Greek, is the place where everyone goes when they die. Like Abraham, David, Lazarus, and others, Jesus went to the part of Hades designated for the righteous between his death and resurrection. But the story of the rich man and Lazarus offers very few details about this place for the righteous. All we know is that it's a place of comfort and peace. It's a place where suffering can be relieved. But we can know a little bit more about this place by recalling what Jesus said to the thief on the cross, the thief who was obviously sorry for his sins, the thief who obviously had faith in Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say to this man? Today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise is the garden of God. In Genesis 2, verse 8, nearly all of our English versions tell us that God planted a garden in Eden. But the Greek Old Testament of Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, can be translated, God planted a paradise in Eden. Or to think of it another way, Adam and Eve originally dwelt in paradise. The word paradise comes to us from the Greek language, but the Greeks borrowed that word from the Persians. It means an enclosed garden or a garden surrounded by a wall. What Adam and Eve lost in the garden because of Adam's sin is regained by the righteous following death. That's the message that Jesus is sending. You lost paradise when you sinned. We gain paradise when we die. What Jesus promised the thief is that they would be together in the place in Hades that's designated for the righteous between death and the resurrection. This place is called paradise. It's called the garden of God. So what happens to us after death? Well, the Old Testament is a little unclear. All of the dead go to Sheol and Hades, but little else is said. Jesus describes Sheol and Hades in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and this offers us a clearest answer to the question. After his death on the cross, Jesus also went to this place called Sheol or Hades, but he went to the part of it that's known as paradise, where the righteous dwell between death and the resurrection. As I draw this study to a close, I'd like to take you back to Acts chapter 2. And I want to notice something that Peter says in verse number 24. Jesus, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. When Jesus died, he went to Hades. God raised Jesus up. He loosed the pains of death, as Peter says. And he did so because Jesus could not be held by death and Hades. It was not possible for him to be held by it. In the next episode, I want to talk some more about what exactly this means. And more specifically, I want to think about what the implications are for the Christian. Because if Hades could not hold Jesus, then it cannot hold those who follow after him. And that's another thing we can learn about what happens after death. We learn that Hades will not have a victory over the Christian, that Christians will be granted the victory over Hades and death. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. 
If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. Oh,